0: Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. One of St. Augustine's most famous prayers, a prayer that is central to my own understanding of Christian spirituality, and therefore a prayer that's central to my teaching and preaching, is this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Or in other words, there is a God-shaped hole in each of us that only God can fill. And that most of the problems that we human beings face come from either trying to fill that God-shaped hole with someone or something other than God or failing that trying to numb the pain that is left by the emptiness. We spend so much time in life trying to fill our God-shaped hole with all kinds of things and people and pursuits. We're constantly searching for the latest thing that will make us happy, settled, at peace, not so restless. It could be career fulfillment. It could be living through our kids' accomplishments. Could be a luxury car, the dream vacation, food, drink, the perfect workout, exercise class, liturgy, or nature hike, a new therapist, a new church, a new cause, a new relationship. You name it, the list is endless. But as Jesus knew, one of our favorites, one of the most common things that we try to fill our God-shaped hole with is money. Wealth. And the experiences that money and wealth can buy. In today's gospel, a man runs up to Jesus, kneels in front of him, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, as we learn later, this is a man who apparently knew a thing or two about inheriting things, or doing things, or a combination of both, and he knew a thing or two about flattering people. He's wealthy, he's probably a landowner, a merchant, he's rich and powerful. And after rebuffing the flattery, Jesus says, you know the commandments. I've kept the commandments since my youth, says the man. And Jesus looks at him with love. And in love, Jesus sees that the man who lacks nothing actually lacks God. He has a God shaped hole he's been trying to fill with his many possessions. And so Jesus says to him, with love, in love, sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then not only will your treasure be eternal, here, But also, here in this life, you'll be light. You'll be nimble. You'll not be weighed down. You'll be free to follow me wherever I go and for however long. And when he hears this, when we hear this, he is and we are shocked. So he goes away grieving, disheartened, sorrowful, dismayed, because he had many possessions. And so this man in this story is symbolic, emblematic. This man in the story is so much like us in our unwillingness to let go. I've shared with you before the story about the man out on a hike along a steep cliff who loses his footing and starts to fall over the side of the cliff. And as he's falling, he's able to grab on to a tree branch, uh, root pro- projecting from a rock, and he's holding on to this root from the rock. But he looks up, and there's no no way to climb back up to the path. Nothing else to climb onto. No other way up. And as he looks down, several hundred yards below him, nothing but jagged rocks. He's not a particularly religious person, but. He looks up and he says, Is anyone up there? And to his astonishment, the clouds part, and a rainbow appears, and a voice from the heavens says, It is I, the Lord God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. I have heard your plea. You need only to let go. He looks up again. He looks down again. He says, Is anyone else up there? (laughs) This young man talking to Jesus went away grieving because he had many possessions. He went away dismayed because he could not let go. He went away sorrowful because he realized he loved his stuff more than eternal life. Now, one thing that's very important to remember here is that spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, there is nothing wrong with money per se. There is nothing wrong with wealth, per se. And there's nothing good, inherently, about poverty. And there's quite a lot bad about poverty. Anyone who's worked with the homeless directly or, the, or with the poor knows not to romanticize poverty. Involuntary poverty is awful. And wealth can accomplish a lot of good, which is why churches are customarily made not only serving the poor, but lifting them out of poverty for good, such a central part of the faith. And even in today's passage, Jesus tells his followers that they cannot outgive God. That the more they let go of in this life, the more they'll get back in this life and in the next. You cannot outgive God. The bread and the wine and the money that we place on this altar are given right back to you in a new and miraculous form as the body and blood of Christ and as the ministries of this church for you and for the wider world. That dynamic is at play. So the problem with wealth, the problem with money, is when we try to fill our God-shaped hole with it, when we put our faith in it, when we believe that securities bring true security. Now, there are a lot of things and people and causes that we try to fill our God-shaped hole with. But we're sticking with wealth today because wealth may be the most insidious of them all. And that's because I think wealth has a particularly addictive nature. Think about it. With most things, If we begin to sense that something is getting too much of a hold on us, we cut back on it. If we begin to sense we're overdoing it with food or alcohol or work or a relationship or a hobby, we cut back on it. We put some distance between it and us for a while in order to break the stronghold that it's beginning to have on us. Funny thing about money, though. Money seems to be the only thing that if we sense we're starting, if we start to think that we're thinking too much about money, we respond by trying to get more of it. And and Jesus knew this about us, which is why he said, how hard it is How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is, in other words, for those of us who have wealth to have healthy priorities, to have God as our driving center in life. In fact, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. A contemporary version of that saying is it's easier to put a Buick up your nose. (laughs) than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Now, this comes as quite a surprise to Jesus' followers, then and now. They are, and we are, shocked at this saying. Who can be saved? Well, it's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible with God, Jesus says. And the single greatest The single greatest thing, the simplest and yet most difficult step that you and I can take to break the hold or the grip that wealth has on us is by giving more of it away. The most effective way to keep wealth or money from being a small g god in our life is by releasing more of it. In other words, the antidote to making wealth the center of our life, the the way to dethrone wealth from the throne of our heart and put God back there is by giving away a larger percentage of it, by letting go of more of it. You can talk about prayer, sacraments, and liturgy, and service to others all day long. You can talk about God being the source of your strength and your security till you're blue in the face. But there's no better way to acknowledge your dependence upon God than to let go of more of your money. But it is so hard to let go of our money. It's so hard to let go of our money unless we are filled with gratitude. And that's why generosity, that's why giving begins with gratitude. It begins with feeling blessed and grateful, for what we have, realizing that what we have is, for most of us, way beyond our basic needs and is, in fact, abundant. I challenge you to commit to letting go of 10% of everything that comes into your pocket. Now, if it sounds like I'm launching the annual giving campaign, well, it's because I am. If you are a member here, you will be asked to give back to God in thanksgiving by supporting this church's ministries in 2022 through a written financial pledge card that you'll be getting in the mail in the next few weeks. And that challenge goes out unapologetically to most of you. 10% of everything that comes into your pocket, given back to God in thanksgiving to the church. But if you're a newcomer here... Or you're not a member of this church, or if you're a longtime member and you're on the sidelines, or your cynicism level is starting to rise a bit, and you think, oh, that's all the church is really interested in is money, then let me make something perfectly clear. From a spiritual point of view, speaking as a pastor, I don't care who you give the money to. Pick a charity, any charity, pick a cause, any cause as long as it's outside yourself. Now, I can imagine at this point, Jack Parsons and the other members of the finance committee are thinking that I've lost my mind and are wondering how to cut the microphone up here. So let me say this. I think that this church can make, has made, and will continue to make a good case that the Cathedral of All Souls deserves your 10%, deserves your money. And that this church can make as good or even better use of your money than any other charitable organization that you could give it to. But don't let the fact that you're a newcomer or someone who doesn't fully buy into church, this one or another one, don't let your cynicism let you off the hook. If not here, someplace else. Just get in the habit of giving away 10% of everything that comes into your pocket For the sole purpose of breaking the stranglehold that wealth has on you, as a way of acknowledging your dependence upon God. Because ultimately, we are not the young man in this story who went away sorrowful. That's the good news. We are ones still left with a choice, left with options left with the opportunity to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. You have created us for yourself, dear Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Help us, loving God, to realize that nothing except you can fill the God-shaped hole within us. Help us to love you back with all that we have and all that we are. Amen.